0: This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 213. We're recording on Thursday, June 8th, 2017. I'm Rebecca Shinsky here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com.
1: I wonder if people will be able to tell that we're using a slightly different well, actually, a considerably different rig all of a sudden you 've got a different mic mm-hmm. we're recording GarageBand because Skype was flaking out in the way that only skype can um, so we 're our new setup just for the nerds out there, uh, which you 're listening to this so you 're part of this hi uh, yeah if you're, maybe you 're maybe just if you 're an audio nerd we 're using Slack calling to hear each other, but then recording in GarageBand directly into a larger, higher quality file. So we'll see if it matters. And, re, and re, we both have different mics that we're using for something else that we've we ported over to this. So, Secret
0: Project. Secret Project,
1: yeah. Three weeks from the day we're recording today, there'll be something new to, for you guys to listen to. So I, I can say no more. Actually, I, I could say whatever I want, but I choose to say no more because I am terrible, <laughs> but also great. Um, We're back this week. Let's do our first sponsor, because I think our first follow-up thing we would normally put in the spots might be a little bit more than just our normal follow-up about the Game of Thrones prequels, spinoffs, whatever it is we're going to say. We're sponsored again this week, thankfully, because we love to talk about audiobooks by audiobooks.com. We do. They have audiobook month giveaways and deals all the time to look at. We haven't really talked about that for a time. The audiobooks.com runs a lot of giveaways, and they, they run deals, so if you want to catch a cheap audiobook, audiobooks.com is a really great place to check out for that, too. Audiobook month this June, and there's a giveaway every Thursday. So you're going to want to check that out. You can go to audiobooks.com. Plus, members can access two-for-one offers, exclusive sales and bundled deals all month long. Basically, if you like audiobooks, you can get a whole bunch of value because they're going to give you a bunch of good deals. And also, if you've been thinking about trying out audiobooks, you can like, sample a whole bunch and try a bunch of new things all at one time. So good for, for noobs and good for vets, um, as we used to say uh, in the online gaming world You know, 5,000 years ago when that was a thing. You can stream books live or download them for offline listening. So some audiobooks, we haven't really talked about this. The files can be pretty big. You've got a lot of videos and pictures on your phone and you know if, if you're a kind of person that's got a lot of stuff on your phone and space is an issue you can choose to download them of course but you can also uh, stream them so it doesn't take up any of the files on, on your uh, podcast or excuse me your audiobooks player also tip if you are short of space and you haven't cleaned out your audiobooks player for a while that's a good do thing that to do business. yeah because you can clear up you know hundreds of uh, hundreds of megs per audiobook in some cases depending how long they are so you can you can play you can you know get your stuff as you like it great features like sped up narration we heard from a lot of 1.25ers out there very surprised how many of you are 1.25ers on playback speed sleep timer and custom bookmarking audiobooks.com integrates with carplay android audio sonos and TVO, TVOS for easy listening in your car or home a- create your account free get started your first premium audiobook is free then the monthly membership after that is 14.95 per audiobook very good price Plus, then all the deals, two-for-ones, exclusive giveaways, things like that. Go to audiobooks.com. Check it out. Thanks so much for them sponsoring the show. Great company. All right, let's do follow-up all to right. Westeros. So we got, a, we got. I don't know if we got stuff wrong or more new information came out after we talked about it, but we got a lot of feedback yeah. about what was going on I
0: think here. it's, It's a little of both. We had a lot of questions last week. We made some assumptions that weren't 100% correct. And then there were some clarifications after the original story about all those Game of Thrones prequels that are coming out. Entertainment Weekly ran a piece um, from the showrunners and talking about how that's actually going to work. And then a million of you tweeted it to us. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you for making sure that we saw it. But basically, they're going to develop these five spinoff prequel situations, but the expectation is not that all five of them will reach the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So it seems to me like casting a wide net, maybe one or two of them will stick.
1: Yeah, right. And I guess that makes sense. And maybe it's not that this kind of thing hasn't happened before. It's just that we're getting a lot of, I guess, early development stage info about this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the point of this would be. Like... I don't know. I guess George R. R. Martin thing is to overpromise and underdeliver. You know, like because he does. Well, no, the, I mean I don't. <laughs> that's I, a burn. Well, I, is it unfair though? Like you know, the, this book <laughs> no. he's said several times. Like my deadline is this. My deadline is this. And you know, here it is. Here it is. Sunday when we asked for you uh, on Tuesday, which is not a big deal. I don't. I don't blame him for that. Except that seems to be his pattern. And so, you know, he's talking about these five things they're doing. It's like he's got to walk it back. Well, actually, none of them might happen. Like who likes this? You know, like, who likes this cycle?
0: Yeah, it's, maybe it's just a byproduct of that we get more information than we need about basically everything now.
1: And Martin will give it to you. I mean, and he will, Yeah, and he'll tell you the truth. I mean, he's not lying or anything. He's like, this is what's happening, except I'm not sure what Mm -hmm. good it does. Again, you and I aren't aren't huge or even passing Game of Thrones fans. But if I were a fan and like, there's going to be five, oh my God, that's amazing. And then it's like, actually, none of them might get picked up. Like, what is that? Like, that, that well, that's yeah, nothing the, but pain, as for, far as I the can The walking
0: tell. it back does seem particularly painful for the fan side. Like, you got all the fan excitement from, yeah. here, we're going to do these five spin-off prequel things, but then clarifying, oh, you might not actually see all five of them. Like, I mean, in, in our own thinking, which not that everyone has to do mm-hmm. it the same way or that George R.R. Martin should take our business advice, but, like, we have a lot of ideas about stuff we might yeah. do with... Book Riot. And I, there is a point where you kind of know that if you have five ideas, you'll find someone to be excited about any one of those. Mm. But I I don't want to put all five of them out in the world and get somebody excited about, like, idea A. Right. Right. I'm never going to develop idea A or if I have to walk it back later and be like, well, we changed our minds. Sorry, you're not going to get that thing that you got excited about. Um, yeah, I just don't don't fully – it's not like Game of Thrones needs more publicity and it's not like George R.R. Yeah. Martin needs more clamoring for the next thing. So I don't really understand what the impetus was for that first round of publicity around like these things are going to exist.
1: Um, I think – I mean – I mean, remember, this is a guy who still uses Live Journal, and Live Journal is a. I mean, you know, but I mean, it's about like saying what's going on with you, and this is a thing that's going on with him, and I, I don't know that he thinks about it much. Uh, well, maybe he does think about, it, but his his operate his his operating system wants to talk about what's going on, whether or not the likelihood of a thing happening at all or along the timeline he is, you know, musing about or wondering about, and you know, he's just telling what's going on and. Yeah, he's
0: either not considering like impact on fans' yeah. excitement, or he knows that it's there, but for his own functional reasons, has like to maybe he disregard he, it. Yeah, right.
1: He feels like giving fans information talk, right. is worth even the pain that could come from. Well, we're not doing any series; or we're only doing one, or whatever. So he's making a different calculation that would make sense to me. I mean, you could certainly say, you know, we're exploring. So, we're exploring the, like, if a spinoff is going to work. Um, you know, it is a long time till the next season of Game of Thrones is my understanding. So it could be one of those things where you got to put another log on the fire. Um, Mm -hmm. You want to keep it in the front of people's minds. So maybe there's some rationale behind that. But anyway, so now we're at, it's like now we're in like Schrodinger's pilot. Like we don't know, (laughs) uh, there's five of them maybe, but does that mean there are more? Like are they all equally along the development cycle? I, I think now our thing is... We almost know nothing. Like, that's what I think where we should be. Like, we almost know nothing. They're trying some stuff. They hope one works out. I think it would be surprising now that all five of them make the season. I think that's one thing we, we, could, we could figure out. It's like, yes. okay, these aren't five yeah. things. We're not, we're not going to get five, season, or five shows. We might be lucky to get one or two. Um, does that sound fair to you? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, There's some clarification here from Casey Bloys, who's the programming president of HBO. And he says, I want to put the prequels in context. It should go without saying. I love having a show with this much intense interest around it. Even the smallest bit of information is a big deal, and I appreciate that. But I wanted to make sure fans know this is a really embryonic process. I haven't even seen outlines. In the press at large, everybody said there are four spinoffs, and they assume that means each one is happening and we're going to have a new Game of Thrones. Thrones show per quarter. That's what's not going on. The idea is not to do four shows. The bar set by the writers of HBO or by the creators of Game of Thrones is so high that my hope is to get one show that lives up to yeah. it. Also, this is a long term plan. So like that's a very, uh, in my reading, nicely, like diplomatically phrased sort of... Chastising of the folks leaking yeah. this information in the first place. Right. Like you got a little ahead of yourselves, yeah, guys. Yeah, Mark may not even be responsible it
1: for it. I, I'm not sure where right. what patient zero was here, but it sounds like it's much more of a standard kind of development process. At least, I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I've never done this, but what I understand yeah. about this is like we want to do an, a spinoff. Like I'm sure after Breaking Bad, they had four or five ideas, and Better Call Saul is the one they landed on. Right, and I'm. You probably, Mm -hmm. if it had leaked, you probably could have leaked a similar story in the wake of Breaking Bad, and it would have been true. But just, but Mm -hmm. we didn't get that, and so it came out to be this. Like, if we had leaked, like all the ideas that uh, Lucas or um, now Disney had for the Force, what became the Force Awakens, it would have been. I'm sure they thought about dozens, if not hundreds, of possible vectors that they could pursue. It's just that we got. We got shown behind the curtain without actually understanding what behind mm-hmm. the curtain means, is that right, <laughs> right Does that like sound nobody right?
0: got nobody got all the business behind the curtain lined up the way they wanted to yeah. show it to us either, yeah, it right. was like, oh crap, the curtain's open
1: yeah, and like and we're looking <laughs> at it as people who don't know the business or don't know this the state right. of what we're seeing as so. most
0: of the people getting the news, yeah right, yeah, um, so anyway,
1: interesting follow, so, so I think tamp down expectations for mm-hmm. getting five I think. My guess would be if I had if I had to bet a hundred dollars on one of them happening, I would certainly bet that hundred dollars. Um,
0: oh yeah, and given that that's what the programming head at the network is saying yeah. that they're looking really to land on one, that seems reasonable. That seems of course, reasonable they want they want to extend the audience that they have for this too.
1: Uh, um, you want to do our next follow up? Lead- Let's just we can just. I, do this and get I do. It.
0: This is a tiny bit of follow-up. Yeah. The author who shall not be named, uh, who lost his big uh, $250,000 publishing contract with Simon & Schuster uh, last year, has decided to self-publish. Um, that's just the latest news that we have. I had heard rumors for a little while that he was talking to some other smaller publishers. We did some speculating yeah. about this on the back channel with the Book Riot contributors, and sort of the thing we all landed on was, he probably had other offers, but probably no one who would give him the kind of money that he thinks that this book will be worth, and there is some, sadly, some validation to it. After uh, he announced the self-publishing and listed the ISBN uh, for the ebook edition on Amazon, the Kindle book shot up to uh, to number one in the censorship and political categories. Um, one open question is whether he will find a distributor to get the print edition of the book into brick and mortar retailers because um, self-published and print-on-demand. Print editions are notoriously expensive. Yeah. Um, so getting those made, but also getting them getting them into brick and mortar retailers is a step. But then even once they're there, getting someone to pay sort of the premium that is applied to the self-published and smaller run books um, might be an additional hurdle. Maybe he'll just do digital. Right. We don't know, but that is what's happening.
1: It got me thinking a little that. bit um, about what it actually means to quote unquote self-publish anymore. It's like to self-publish, mm-hmm. you actually knew you you don't need People or platforms to be actively involved, but you do need tacit pers- participation from, just for example, Amazon, right? Like if you're going to self-publish an ebook, even and Amazon, as is, is best we can figure, is sixty percent of the North American or the U.S. ebook market, so more than half of your potential market is Amazon, you know, Amazon has pulled Kindle books before. I mean, I don't know that they would pull this unless there's something. I mean, you have to be pretty inflammatory for Amazon to pull you. Like, it was stuff about pedophilia one time and making bombs, yeah. I remember, mm-hmm. stuff getting pulled, or copyright infringement, stuff like that. But it's, it's certainly within Amazon's terms of service to say, we don't want to touch this. I don't think they would do this. But, like, it's not actually self-publishing. I guess that's what I'm coming down to. It's like you need... Someone to you know could the company that runs Espresso right, which is that print-on-demand machine, they could. I don't know what their terms of service look like, but they could certainly say, I believe, you know, we're not, we don't want to, we don't want to touch this either. Like how to- sure. you can be toxic enough that you're really your only option might be making an ebook you know, making a ebook file in Microsoft Word and publishing <laughs> it on your website. Like, that's also, there's, di- there's different kinds of self-publishing. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, like, it, it, yeah. and it will be interesting to see, like, is, is some, you know, a Wattpad, if you want to do on Wattpad, would they, would, you know, then they would have to make an ethical decision too, um, which is super interesting. So what the final form of this self-publishing venture looks like, I'm going to be interested just in terms of, like, how many people won't touch it. You'll be able to tell right. by what it, you know, what the, you know. You'll be able to tell by <laughs> what, what the, final the product form is. Is, is like be
0: pretty, pretty for, interesting,
1: right? Um, anyway, because it, is is this yeah. guy get, He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to be copy. Is, is he going to hire a a cover designer? Like he has to do all the thing that self publishing people have to do, which is kind of a lot of work. And my my sense of this dude's mo is like. He wants to make big splashes, well, and a, but a lot of this yeah, is nitty gritty kind of work stuff that I, I don't know. There
0: is a cover. Um Displayed in the Publishers Weekly piece here, and it's different, of course, from the cover yeah. that the book had when Simon and Schuster was publishing it. But it doesn't look too far from like a thing that you could do in Photoshop no, on your own no, computer. No. It's a it's a big headshot of him. His face takes up most of the cover. I know that'll be shocking. We'll
1: link to this in the show uh, and notes. And you can see the title there is and, in
0: large yeah. text. So if you want to see that, you can take a look at it. I wonder um, what
1: that means for the state of the lawsuit. Like, could you be self-publishing while the lawsuit goes on? It seems like a thing that might no, indicate yeah, that there. The lawsuit may not I no be idea. super strong. I would be surprised if they were going ahead with distributing the IP in some way when it's basically the subject of a lawsuit, but I don't know enough about that. That thing, but that yeah. was another thing that like, comes like, hmm, I don't either. I wonder what that says for uh, uh, speaking
0: of, of things that we enjoy Yay! speculating about. It was announced, or kind of, it came out through an Ingram, which is a book distributor for those who are not in the industry. They're one of the main distributors. They let out a Street Smart alert this morning that got reported on Early Word, which is a librarian connection website, yeah. um, that the next Oprah Book Club selection has been made. Um, and the way that this works in the industry is once Oprah makes a selection, they send uh, librarians and bookstores information about what the publisher is, the on-sale date. There's an ISBN that's masked, so like if you search that ISBN in a book search system, it will just give you like a generic Oprah's Book Club cover. Mm. It won't tell you any information about Mm-mm. the book, so it says it's a secret. It lists the format, and it lists the price and some more details. So we know, here's what we know, that coming out on June 26th in trade paperback, it's a novel, 416 pages from Penguin Random House.
1: That's all we and know, right? I
0: put on, that's all we know. We're going to do some speculating.
1: But we do, so uh, wait, let's frame what on, we do and don't know. We don't know okay. that it is a paperback release of something that's already been in hardcover, or do we know that?
0: Correct. We don't, we don't. It could we don't be know a, know a paperback original. A, it could be a paperback original, right? Um, it could be a paperback original. We, I think, can assume that this is not a change in the book's publication date because when Oprah bumped up the publication date for Colson Whitehead, that was announced, you know, like this is happening and the book is coming out early or actually that's how they announced. It It was like on a Tuesday morning, it was like, there's a new Oprah title. It's the underground railroad surprise. It's for sale, you know, a month early. Um, So I think we can guess that for summer, a paperback release of something that came out, in hardcover last year seems right to me like that's the perfect book club formula so uh, i put on my detective hat and i have some ideas and i should say i'm not giving myself too much credit because on any given publication date once you know the publisher and like the sort of parameters for the thing there aren't really that many books when you're looking at new releases in a week that are realistic contenders for oprah well tell me what you got
1: tell me what you got Okay, I think your guesses so are better, and maybe you know include mine. They're a superset of my guesses. So
0: I think that mine. I think it's going to be "Behold the Dreamers" by Imbolo and um, which came out last year. And here's why: it was listed originally, like for months and months, as a paperback coming out on June 27th. Um, I had tagged it that way in Edelweiss. It comes up on my Edelweiss list for June 27th. Um, it's about that length paperback release from Penguin Random House. And now, when you search for the Behold the Dreamers paperback in Edelweiss, a listing that used to have a paperback cover does not have a cover anymore. And the publication date now says September 2018, which I think is just a thing that they've done to be like, oh, joking, it's not coming out next week. (laughs) But it actually is. But it's the Oprah book. That's a lot of smoke, man.
1: That's a lot of smoke Mm -hmm. behind that pick. And then and that's the circumstantial. Like in the of I was going to say Oprah that's the other choose. piece is that's the kind of book that would make sense. I mean, it's by a black woman. It's by, you know largely mm-hmm. about black people. Oprah's it's not about exclusively about that. It's, you know, right. r- 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 you know, as as we saw with um, Love Warrior, which is actually the last pick. It's not about mm-hmm. race or anything at all. But Oprah picks um, often books that have to do with race and. I don't, and also immigrant experiences in different... You know, the African diaspora, mm-hmm. like uh, Edwidge Danticat. Financial chose, crises. Yeah, like yeah. That's, that's a lot of things she's done before. So it fits the, I guess, the, 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 the strike zone. You know, the middle of the fat part of the strike zone for Oprah's kinds of picks. Not to say she wouldn't pick something else, but that, that makes a lot of sense. It, I think at this point, if I were, you know, one of those English betting houses that takes bets on literary events, I'd not take any bets. I think that's too that's too <laughs> strong of a that's too strong of a contender to like give anyone decent odds on it. I, I think that's it. I mean, the other one, the other, and again, it doesn't fit any of the other circumstantial criteria you mentioned of like you with your, um, your, uh, stalkers hat on like Sherlock Holmes, but like, you know, <laughs> the mothers by Brit Bennett also hasn't come out in paperback yet. The release mm-hmm. date on Amazon, at least I can tell isn't even released. Uh, even, it isn't even available for the paperback. I didn't look in, in Edelweiss. But it came out in October of last year in hardback. It's it's well due for paperback release. Um, so that would that would be my other guess. It also because it then also fits the the profile of a you know a typical. It's not even typical, but probably the the mode pick for is that the right term? Like mm-hmm. more frequent than others uh, yeah. to, to mm-hmm. be a book right. about, by um, and about black people. Um, Both of those would be very interesting picks for Oprah. Uh, if I were given a choice between the two I think I would pick Behold the Dreamers just because it feels a little more current. It's you know about immigration and yeah, a lot of other things going on with that one. But Right yeah the, I mothers like the mothers as well.
0: Happens when it happens but it's the kind of story that happens like at any time yeah, in history, right. um, and it's just given a particular setting, but Behold the Dreamers is about a really specific moment in American history and culture. Um, I think it's also, since it's about the financial collapse in 2008, 2009, it's an interesting moment to be yeah. talking about you know, corporate greed and conspiracy right. <laughs> and all kinds of things as well, but it feels very Oprah-pic-ish, and not for nothing, it also... Like, it had a ton of buzz before it came out. We've even out, talked but about, about its buzz, really. right.
1: We talked about this yeah, cycle, too. Yeah, and
0: it just didn't seem to have legs in hardcover. So I also would not be terribly surprised if, looking at the releases last fall, Oprah was like, well, obviously I've got to do the Underground Railroad. And Love Warrior is an excellent pick, and Glennon Doyle Melton has been on the Oprah network a jillion times doing things. So, like, that all makes sense. Behold the Dreamers is great, but it's going to be a better, like, she can benefit that book in paperback yeah. much more. I think it will make a much bigger impact. Um, so that's that's my money. If it happens that it's that, you don't all have to tweet me to congratulate me. I don't think it's, like, a super <laughs> difficult uh, piece
1: of sleuthing yeah. that we've done Yeah, here. I looked at, I mean, I, I do some tracking for ad sales and stuff and keep track of when books are coming out, and I'm just looking at my June releases, and there's nothing else. And again, I don't track everything. Um, you know, I just... you know what strikes me as being good fits for us in advertising but it's my one curated document um that's real forward looking especially and it has paperbacks where the new release index we do in the insiders i don't think lib has paperback releases of that unless they're new Mm -hmm. in like paperback is their original format do you know the answer to that does she do like there's a paperback of uh well Um, behold the dreamers coming i mean would she do that yeah
0: i don't i
1: don't think so i don't think so i'll look at some time after the show Um, But I didn't see another... You know, there's lots of interesting books, but there's nothing that screams Oprah to me. Now, that's not to say yeah. that she doesn't. You know, I was not prepared for her to pick what, like that trio of Faulkner books that one time, like in when it was re- yeah, when it was well, really like, often cooking. When
0: Ayanna Mathis came out with the Twelve Tribes of Hattie, like that's a that novel went where it went because yeah. of Oprah, but it wasn't anticipated to be right. huge. So who knows? Like sometimes she does. She chose. Pull the, she chose out, the Corrections but, after
1: all, which is as lit fic lit fic straight ahead right. no no spin on the ball at all kind of thing so definitely the spread is is very possible but if you have to mm-hmm. bet you're just looking yeah. at probabilities right and boy it looks like behold the dreamers it, are it probab- looks like this. And so it's it was almost um, but, it was September of last year that Love Warrior I think we've we've gone yes. a full 9 months I guess since the last book pick it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that it's that
0: time. Long. It's time it's yeah. time I think before we do our next sponsor, I want to give a shout out mention to another black woman doing an awesome thing. Um, Gloria Edom founded the Well Read Black Girl online a couple of years ago. She is a creative strategist. Um, Her boyfriend had given her a t shirt that said Well Read Black Girl, and she took that and ran with it, posting online about the books that she was reading, talking about them with her friends. Now it's a community of more than 20,000 people, and she's been regularly hosting face to face meetings also sort of taking their off their online community offline she is introducing this fall the well-read black girl festival it's being held in brooklyn just a week before the brooklyn book festival which as the piece that we're going to link to notes that's a really smart choice because it will make it easier for authors to appear at both um, they wouldn't have to travel twice um, for it but they are running a kickstarter Um, which launched earlier this week on June 3rd to support the event. Um, And as of uh, Tuesday morning, it had already exceeded its $15,000 goal. Yeah.
1: And a long way to go. Very cool. So
0: currently... Yeah, let's see. I'm looking at it. Though so the goal is fifteen thousand, it's like twenty-two thousand right now, um, and you can back it for as little as five dollars. But there are some really cool offerings um, to go in higher. So if you just want to support this, or if you live in New York and you want to attend the event, and um, there's a lot of interesting ways to be involved. But um, Glory is doing awesome work. Uh, it's such a cool thing to see, and this is a an event that needs to exist. Like good representation uh, is not happening all that frequently in literary events it's really awesome to see so congrats to them on what's already a success but it'll be really fun to watch the development of this
1: uh you mean i mean the swag the tony morrison swag alone i did you i don't think you yeah. mentioned that there's there's um you are your best thing uh which i think is from mm-hmm. beloved or is that bluest eye i can't I remember i there's a t-shirt, there's a tote bag uh, that's very cool. You know, the internet is, this is one of those things, the internet is magic for something like this. You know, smaller communities, passionate people that, you know, find each other. Maybe would have been more difficult to find each other without it. Um, and then, you mm-hmm. know, the Kickstarter platform where you can raise money. It's just a bunch of cool stuff that happens all oh, there. Really pulling for, I'm still trying to decide which level I'm going to do. I'm not going to make it to the... the uh, Pass so, and I probably, yeah. The t shirt, see that the one, the t shirt in the tote bag is 50 bucks, but I don't know if I can pick them. I, I've got to spend some time with this. I have it on my <laughs> OmniFocus actually to look at this. That's how important, Contemplate that's how serious I got to take my Kickstarter here. Um. Anyway, go check it out, especially if you live in New York. It's very cool. It's going to be very cool uh, yeah. to
0: see. We'll have a link in the show notes. The Kickstarter is open.
1: Twenty five oh. more days. Oh, much so long. she's already blown past more days, it. Man. So she's got. I hope.
0: Let's blow that out of the see, water. I didn't see like if
1: there are stretch goals involved. I mean, not that it needs to happen. Um,
0: yeah, I but I don't see stretch goals either, but here are just a teaser of some of the speakers that yeah. are lined up. Um Naomi Jackson, who wrote The Star Side of Bird Hill, Nicole Dennis Ben, Here Comes the Sun, which is excellent. Margot Jefferson, uh, whose memoir Negro Lands is like really terrific. Uh, we do Angela Flournoy for The Turner House, yeah; Jesse for Homegoing, and Nicole Blades that's, for The Thunder.
1: That is a murderer. Oh man, that's a
0: it, man, it really is. What an incredible lineup. Um, And if you just want to attend, then ticket price is $25. It's from 1pm to 5pm for the festival pass. If you want to attend the conference portion, because they're doing sort of festival stuff, which is fan facing, but also writers, conference, industry, professional facing stuff, um, you can get an early bird ticket for $100 or general admission for $150. There are some really awesome things here. I'm so excited to see this exist. And it's the kind of event I want to, like, I'm going to throw shade at publishing for a second. This is the kind of event that if somebody had walked into, like, Read Expo a few years ago and been like, you guys need to throw a literary event solely focused around Black readers and writers, they would be like, oh, we don't think we have the audience for that. You know, like, we're, we consistently see uh, yeah. publishers eliminate their, like, quote unquote, diverse imprints. Um, Harlequin was uh, getting rid of Kimani, which is the um, specifically Black folk focused romance Mm. line it's just the kind of thing that like there is demand for but that publishing doesn't believe there is demand for so also like way to put the proof in the pudding here
1: yeah yeah it's great it's great and I'm I I I didn't see any stretch goals which makes sense because as we know from running events like you're gonna you don't want to add more complexity like get tickets and scale up and get more people in the door for the things you're already doing um I don't know that there's I didn't say anything about location did I see that uh
0: uh, it's in the, New York, but I don't. I yeah, don't see like they, what they space probably are going
1: to have yeah. to. They say the limited number of tickets are available. Tiffany, unique. Did you mention that Jenna Wortham too?
0: Oh, yeah. and Tyree Jones. Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, so I, I what I'm trying to figure out is if there's urgency about getting a ticket. Like you know, there's the Kickstarter mm. ends in 25 days, but it, I, it, does, it doesn't say anywhere that there's only 500 tickets or something available. So. Go check it out. So I, I do think, though, this is one of those situations where if she gets four or 500 people to show up, New York venues, there's not that many, like, as we also know, um, that can hold that many people. So I don't think it's going to scale to infinity. So if you, if you want a ticket, I would get on your, your, your horse and go back this sooner rather than later. Um, anyway, cool. That's very cool. Why don't you tell us about something else that's cool?
0: Our next sponsor.
1: Yes, Exactly.
0: Alcrate, Our next sponsor is Alcrate. They are back this week. Alcrate is a monthly subscription service that delivers bookish fun straight to your door. Who doesn't love that? Um, every box contains one brand new hardcover young adult novel, as well as a whole bunch of bookish keepsakes that help you set the mood for your literary adventure. And they're all built with a fun, creative theme in mind that also includes special goodies directly from the author. Um, So you're getting some exclusive stuff there. Owlcrate additionally also has a brand new box for younger bookworms. It's called Owlcrate Jr. for readers who are aged 8 through 12, which I think we've agreed is middle grade here, um, or for anyone who's young at heart and enjoys middle grade Reading, So you pay monthly and every month they send you a new book and a whole bunch of good stuff around it. Every month is a new theme. So this is a cool way to discover um, new books and expand your literary horizons. And I think this is especially cool that lots of items in the boxes are handmade and are from small businesses like Etsy sellers. And most of them are exclusive to Owlcrate. So you won't be able to like go on Etsy and buy these same items or, you know, find them in a store. On, like for sale next to the cash wrap in your favorite indie <laughs> bookstore. <laughs> They've also started working with publishers to send out books with exclusive cover designs. So you might get through Owlcrate a YA novel or a kid's book with a cover that you couldn't get in a bookstore. So really cool exclusive things, three to five goodies in each box. If you want to check this out, you can go to owlcrate.com and use the code bookriot 10. That's all one word smushed together and the number 10 so book riot one zero for 10 percent off uh, so thanks again to them for sponsoring this is really cool i think especially going into summer you could treat yourself treat a younger reader in your life check it out again the offer code is book riot 10 and that's owl crate you can find them at owlcrate.com and all over the internet thanks to them for sponsoring
1: all right so let's let's go let's go down south um, I didn't think we'd mm. have to go down to Alabama again for a while. Uh,
0: Why? Why?
1: Well, well, we can we can have feelings about Let, let's get it let's get the get it out there. But before we have feelings, so um, "To Kill a Mockingbird." Uh, if you're not familiar with this, it's a it's a little novel about um, the South. Uh, is to be turned into a graphic novel. <laughs> um, and I don't know if this person this is in The Guardian, but the the, the line and I don't know if this is shade or what, and it, the next line I have to say that's going to be turned into a graphic novel is and I'm quoting here directly unexpectedly, the move has been encouraged by the late author's estate and I'm just like, have you not <laughs> been paying attention to the Harper Lee right, estate What part I, I just I, like, I, I guess so <laughs> if it's shade well played uh, uh madam it looks unwitting, like unwitting
0: then what rock have you been yeah under? right
1: uh illustrated by fred fordham the or, artist behind philip pullman's recent first venture into the form the adventure of john blake which actually was a very beautiful um uh graphic novel and the publisher of william heineman publisher is gonna be william heineman his name is jason arthur saying that the story still this, the, the the book is still in the storyboard stage you know, it's basically when you adapt a, a graphic novel, or a movie for that matter, you, you take the book and you kind of story. You put some sketches on the boards and say, how is this going to look? How is this all going to fit together? Um, there is one image available of a Scout in the tire swing that looks beautiful. I have to say it does look beautiful. And I've got no problem myself, ethical or whatever, turning this into a graphic novel. You know, no, no, no much like I wouldn't, um, you know, it gets you turn books into movies The the turning books into graphic novel form. That's a thing that I realized I don't know the origin of because we're kind of used to it now, but I wonder who yeah, was, we adaptations stepped,
0: of a lot of classics.
1: When did this really, when did this steamroller really get underway because we've seen, you know, kindred by Octavia Butler and Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. American gods. Like those are just the ones I've heard of. I'm sure there's a bunch more, but somewhere in the pickup uh, of interest in comics and graphic novels, Publishers and authors and IP holders <clears throat> uh, have realized that there's more money to be made uh, this way. Uh, very interesting to say. I mean, look at this point. I think the Harper Lee estate might um, authorize a you know a, a, a calendar. Uh, swimsuits you know I, I don't know that there's anything <laughs> that they're not going to put harper lee into to kill a mockingbird oh it's name like a on.
0: terrible swimsuit that says hey boo on the front yeah
1: i just oh, <laughs> oh god um, they'd probably even let <laughs> sorry, us license they'd even let they'd probably let us license boo riot for a, a website dedicated <laughs> just to kill a mockingbird um, <laughs> yeah, i just i anyway this this is tasteful this is seems in the spirit like yes you know, there's a certain number, there's, you know, comics and graphic novels are good for scout-aged kids, which in a lot of ways I feel like sometimes is, I don't know this, I, I haven't read it ever seen an, an, this put to page or tape that Harper Lee actually said it's meant for, you know, as a young adult novel. You could certainly categorize it as a young adult novel if you wanted to. Uh, I'm I'm not as good about the, the, the bright lines about YA because I know there are some, but it feels like what I understand of YA is like, it's told from, it might even be middle grade. I mean, I don't even know what the, because Scout is what, 10, 11, 12 supposed to be? It's I been a while since I've looked so. at it.
0: Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Publishing categories is, were so different then too. It
1: would, yeah, well, it didn't exist. But if you were to recategorize right. it now. But also a really good medium for readers of that age you know you don't have yeah, to look at a huge page of text and you can see and follow the story and get a sense of it the ambiance the atmosphere the setting i think will come really roll close, really nicely so i think it's one of those situations yeah, where know. it's it's this is i think this is well worthy of existing but the the fact that the harper lee estate is uh Authorizing it should come as a surprise
0: yeah. No one. Well, yeah, I don't have any side eye for no, I don't this being done with the story. And I actually think it's kind of surprising that this adaptation into a graphic novel didn't happen a little bit sooner, given that there has been really a bubble around classic stories being adapted yeah. into graphic novel form. It does note in this piece that the Lee State approached the publisher with the idea of it. So it's not even just that they're authorizing it, but that they're pursuing this as an opportunity, which... I think I just have to like Jesus take the wheel about what the Harper Lee estate and Tanya Carter might be doing. This is not near... I don't have nearly as many feelings about this as that like tourist attraction that they were planning right. around her in in Monroeville. So go on. This will be beautiful when it exists, I'm sure. Yeah, it I'm does. Sure. The sample art does really serve, is nice. Yeah, it does serve a reader interest and there's an audience for it. And it feels... Mo- much more honorable than some of the other things that we've seen from the Harper Lee estate. But it does make you wonder like how many times in a given year are we going to have to talk about the Harper Lee estate?
1: Yeah. I guess probably what will happen is we're going to get one of these that, uh, cause I'm not even sure that the museum or whatever, I mean, I, I definitely I'm side-eyed, but I, I'm not sure it crosses mm-hmm. the line of just sort of a naked cash grab. But like if there's the Harper Lee vintage, you know, terrible wine, you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I would right. feel like. That's the last rung of the ladder when there's like a Harper Lee's
0: cheap... Alabama sweet tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Yeah. When there's a Pop Tart uh, tequila mockingbird <laughs> der- flavor of Doritos, that's probably the end. That's that's it. Oh no. That's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do else wanna... we want to do? We're
1: running out of show time here. What do we want? Yeah, let's talk end about?
0: on a high note. I want to end yeah. with the hero of the week. Yeah. We haven't had one of those. In a couple weeks. So this week's hero is a nine-year-old girl from Massachusetts. She's named Mia McGuire. She heard that the library in Berkeley, Massachusetts, which has been open since 1893, it's a good run, and is her it's a good local. Run for- yeah, that is a real good run, uh, and is her local library. She heard that it could close due to budget cuts, and she decided to raise money for it. So she set up a lemonade stand outside the library, selling lemonade for fifty cents a cup. And they didn't think that she and her sister set it up together. And they didn't think that they would make more than $50. But they raked in more than 100 in the first hour. And by the end of the day, she had earned a whopping $625. A lot of people apparently just came out to make donations. Um, she literally like stood in front of her lemonade stand sign, uh, stood in front of the stand holding a sign all day long. Um, and her sister was, uh, who's quoted in this piece, um, is just so proud of her. And she's saying, you know, I don't know how many people cared about I didn't know how many people cared about the library like we do so she made this uh, 625 and she got to turn over the money that she had raised to the local library that you know I don't know if that's going to be enough to save it from the budget cuts but this is incredible individual action from a young citizen and I applaud it
1: I mean, yeah, 625 I don't think is gonna make or break the budget decision, but what it might do is galvanize people that can make. Decisions differently, sure. um, yeah. or influence people, the people that make decisions differently, right? Right,
0: all those yeah. people in her community that came out and maybe hadn't even heard about the budget cuts, but that came out and saw her, yeah. who can now, right. uh, you know, push to influence their local officials and the folks who have the decision-making power. So, hats off to you, Mia McGuire.
1: Hats hero off of the week. to Mia McGuire, our hero of the week. Um, and that's going to be our show for this week. You can find show notes at bookriotcom listen, but they're also in the. Episode description that's probably right on your phone or in your podcast player on the web, you know, the site you're looking at right now. You can also give us feedback podcast at bookriot.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Crate and Audiobooks.com. You get you know a little discount for both of them if you want to try them out using our offer codes and special links, offer code bookriot10 for owlcrate, and then use the direct link in the show notes right to audiobooks.com and that'll, that'll take you to where you can get the free premium audiobook as part of a new membership right there And June is giveaway audiobooks month. I you know quickly audiobooks month. I have been kind of saving it cuz I knew I would like it, but I've started um, finally as you wish by Carrie Elwes about the princess oh, it's bride. It's so good. It's so delightful. Like It is. It's so delightful and it has the thing that I didn't know it had and I, I cuz I knew I would like it, I didn't actually do that much research about it. It has like little audio cameos from well, actually, from Rob Reiner, there's quite a bunch, and Chris Arandon and Robin Wright, like, they come in and they talk for a few sentences at a time about their casting or a specific scene, and it kind of has that, like, you know, like kind of like that this, this American Life podcast mm-hmm. produced feel because you get these other voices, which I think was awesome. And I don't know in the print book if they're reading their stuff verbatim or if these are different. Like Billy Crystal's, for example, was clearly recorded over a phone. Like it doesn't have the same audio yeah. quality, which is totally fine. I'd rather have it than not. But it doesn't sound like he's just reading something he wrote. So I'm going to have to get a print book from the library and do a little side-by-side manuscript work. But anyway, I just thought I would oh, no. mention that. It was just totally delightful, uh, Carrie always. Yeah,
0: I'm uh, listening to Gabourey Sidibe's This Is Just My Face. And it is excellent. Liberty read it and told me on all the books how good it is. And it's so terrific on audio. She reads it and she is hilarious and so warm and funny and insightful about her life in Hollywood. And I'm just digging it. It's great. She's a good travel companion.
1: You know what else we can mention right now? Speaking of listening to things with headphones related to books. Do you know where I'm oh, going with this? Maybe. We've got, we got two, we'll two new pad costs. They're oh, out. right, right. Which we should maybe talk, we should have maybe lead the show with. And we'll talk about it again maybe. next week. So we got two new um, they're available, I think, by the time this is out, you can listen to both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, SFF Yeah, which is a bi weekly show about science fiction and fantasy, hosted by our own Jen Northington and Sharifa Williams. Every, you know, it's a yes. lot, the format's like this show, they're talking, but it's all mm-hmm. science fiction and fantasy. So if you're into that, you're into the show, they're great, that's available now. And then what you want to talk to about the next one? I don't want sure. to talk about that. And all then we have a stuff.
0: mystery thriller podcast called Red or Dead, R-E-A-D, Red or Dead, if you're searching for it in iTunes. And it's being hosted by Rincy Abraham, who you might recognize from our YouTube channel. If you follow Book Riot on YouTube, you will definitely recognize Rincy and Katie McLean. And they're sort of talking about all things mystery thriller, like news related in the world of mystery and thrillers and specific titles. Um they got way into like Sweet Valley High versus Babysitters Club on the teaser episode. <laughs>
1: um So
0: that's, it's right in the wheelhouse. They're doing a great job too. And both of those shows are out now.
1: Come for the mystery and thriller. Stay from the, 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 the Chicago accents. It's oh, great. yeah, right. It's they're so both in wonderful. Chicago, right? They're both that in Chicago. That so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you can, we'll, I'll link to them in the show notes where you can find the to subscribe. Go check them out. I think if you like, even if you don't like those genres, I think you'll like the shows, but especially if you do like those genres or want to read more of them yeah. or read a lot of them, they'll be a lot of fun. They're so, fun
0: people to listen to and talk yeah. to. Yeah,
1: those are every other weeks. So they're about 45 minutes or an hour, so familiar format to you. So go check that out. We're really excited to to try some of this new stuff and, you know, things that we cover lightly but we're not expert in and we get a lot of interest in and um we're excited to start those so go check them out uh you know they're they're good they're a lot of fun Uh, that's our show (laughs) for real this time
0: have a good one